uh, praise team. We appreciate that. That was uh, that was pretty good with choir. I thought it was pretty good for a white choir, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, enjoyed that. So thank you guys so much. Well, if you have your Bibles, so we're going to be looking first today at uh, Proverbs chapter three. And I tell you, it's hard to believe that this is the final message in our uh, series on the next step to in uh, spiritual formation. And we're going to conclude our series today by talking about stewardship. Now, I know that word usually strikes fear in the heart of Christians, but I just want to tell you that this week as I was uh, preparing for this uh, message, I, I just really found it uh, encouraging and uh, just kind of filled my heart, renewed the, uh, my, my faith in, in God and, and the joy that he brings in our lives and his goodness. Um, we want to begin with a, with a definition. What is uh, a steward? Well, a steward is, is someone who, is faith, who faithfully manages something that has been given into his or her care but belongs to someone else. Now, an example of that would be uh, the head coach of a professional football team. He is a steward. Now, he is given the, the total responsibility of that team. Uh, he, has, he makes all the decisions, and he's going to decide about who are going to be the assistant coaches, who are going to be the players, who are going to, uh, who's going to play, what kind of offense, what kind of defense. All those decisions are going to be uh, in his control. But he is not the owner. He is a steward, and he will have to give an account to the owner for how he has managed that team. In fact, uh, you know, in baseball, the coach is actually called a manager. And that though he runs the team, he's not the owner, and he also has to give an account to the owner of that team. Now, um, Robin Quivers is uh, a co-host for the shock jock uh, Howard Stern. And after receiving a cancer diagnosis... And undergoing 17 months of chemo and radiation, she says that she has discovered the secret to life. And here's what she says recently in, a ro- in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine. She said, quote, What I have learned is very simple, that your life belongs to you. And it really doesn't matter what you do with it, but it should be what you want to do with it. It's not what your mother or father or friends or society want. It should be I-directed. And that's the only purpose for being here. Now you understand, that is the exact opposite of what the Bible says about stewardship. The truth is, God created you. And, and the life that he gave you, and all that that entails is something that God has given to you to manage. And, he, and you have to give an account to him for how you have used the life that he has given you. But you see, the problem is, is that we have rebelled against God, and we have taken the life that God has given to us and we've claimed it for our own personal use. We've made our lives I-directed. We've come to think that it's all about what I want to do and it and doesn't matter how I use it, it's what I want to do with it. But you see, when God redeemed us, we had to turn from that I-directed life to surrender to Jesus Christ. We had to come back to that place where we realized that he is the one who has given us our life and we have to give the control over to him, that we're going to give an account to him. And so we can say with the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20, you see, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith 
in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Do you understand that God calls you to be a steward of your life, of, of your very body? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Paul says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And listen, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You, you were redeemed from that I-directed life. You've been bought. You're not your own. It's God's. See, God calls us to steward the, the life that he has given to us. And, and that includes all aspects of your life. It includes what we call, you know, your, your time, your talent, your treasure, the way you use your time, all of your abilities, your gifts, natural and spiritual, and all of your physical resources really are God's, and you are accountable to him for how you use those. One of the richest most successful and wisest men in the world was Solomon. And he shares some of his wisdom about stewardship in the book of Proverbs in chapter 3, beginning verse 9. Just two verses here. And here's what he says. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first fruits of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, that's just two verses, and Solomon gives us a concise overview of stewardship. And, and the teaching uh, can be kind of summarized in just four simple statements. First of all, the purpose. What's the purpose of our stewardship? Well, it's honor the Lord, right out of the text. Stewardship is not something that we should do by guilt. It's not something that we should do uh, grudgingly. Because we feel we must. It is something that we should do because out of love and gratitude to God for all that he has given us. Because we want to honor him. You see, it should be our heart's desire to honor God above all else. And the Hebrew word translated honor there uh, was used to describe the a concept of being weighted down. For example, a king is weighted down with all the symbols of royalty. You know, he has a, a crown and, and a robe or, and, a, and a scepter and a medallion and a ring and all those things, you see, of, of gold and jewels and, and splendor. And you see, and when we honor God, we weigh him down with our respect and with the acknowledgement of his worth and his importance. God is heavy, as it were, in our understanding, in our mind. He's valuable and worthy. And so the purpose of stewardship is to honor God. And then how do we do that? Well, the means. The means... Is, is from your wealth. And Solomon says that the way you manage your resources that God has given to you is, is the most practical and concrete way that you can honor the Lord. Now, now notice that Solomon focuses on, on money and possessions here. Why? Why? Because they reveal more about our spiritual condition than anything else in life. It's all through the Bible. God always is pointing to how our use of the, of the physical resources that he has given to us as indicators of what's going on inside. As Jesus says in Matthew uh, 6.21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that's especially true when it comes to, to giving to the Lord. You see, you can, you can honor God in the way that you use your time, and you certainly should. And you can honor God in the way that you use your gifts and abilities, and you certainly should. But, but the clearest way, the way that the Bible most often points to, is the way that we use our physical resources. So 
the means of honoring God, he says, is from your wealth. Now, that brings us to the priority. The priority is give him the first part. You see in verse 9, the last part of that verse, it says, from the first of all your produce. See, the Israelites brought the first part of their crops to the Lord as an indication that they realized that God was really the owner of the land and of all things. In fact, in Leviticus uh, 25, 23, God says, the land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. Do you get that? The land is mine. You are sojourners. You're strangers here with me. You're just temporary. I own it all. I own it all. It's mine. And I'm allowing you to use this land. You are a steward. You're a manager of what I have given you. And you know, you say, well, what part should I give him? Well, both the Old Testament and the New Testament point to a thing called a tithe. A tithe simply means a tenth. And a tenth was used because in that culture, it was so easy to point out a, a, a tithe, a, a tenth, is indic- one is indicative of the whole. One finger is indicative of all ten fingers. And it's just a simple picture, a simple reminder that God owns it all. And that giving one part back is, is a, an acknowledgement that God is indeed the owner. Um, so in a practical sense, what that means is that we give God the first part of our increase. The first thing that comes out of the checkbook when we receive our paycheck is that part that we give to the Lord. First thing. Now, of course, there are always going to be people that say, uh, well, I'm not sure, you know, how that's going to work out for me because if I, you know, if I, if I give my, uh, my tithe to the Lord, then I'm, I may not have enough money to pay my bills. Well, let me ask you this question. If you pay your bills before you give to the Lord, who are you giving the priority? So you're giving yourself the priority. And you're giving God the leftovers. Uh, That's one of the things we just have to recognize is is where our mindset is. Do you understand that stewardship is an act of faith. A couple of verses earlier in this, in this chapter, Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. See, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. In all of your ways, that includes your giving to the Lord. See, and you can listen, you can make God the priority because of the promise. See, what's the promise? You will have plenty. See, verse 10. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Did you get that? That's the promise. Here's my question for you Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? I mean, do you hear that in your head, but do you, do you really believe that? That God will provide what you need when you are faithful to give to him? Listen, I don't really know how it works. Honestly, I don't know how it works. All I know is that God is always faithful to come through on his promise. Karen, Karen and I have have seen that over and over throughout our lives. Now, we've messed up in a lot of ways, but one of the things we've always done is we've always put the Lord first. No matter what kind of condition, no matter what was going on, we've always given to the Lord first, and the Lord has always been faithful. He's always come through in one way or another. And, and one of the things that's interesting is that when you know, when when, when when God addresses our stewardship, it's, if you think about it, the emphasis is really not so much on our giving as it is on God's giving. Because every time you talk about 
uh, you know, giving the, the, the real emphasis on what God is doing. God is, is overflowing us with all of these good things. I mean, we don't even have anything to give unless God has already given to us and overflowed us with it. And, and Jesus says uh, in the New Testament, he says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, he says, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. So your standard of giving to God can become the standard that God uses to measure and giving to you. That's something we ought to think about. Now listen, don't take that verse and think it's some kind of investment, some way of getting something from God. That's not what he's talking about. He's simply talking about us acknowledging that God is the owner of all these things and that we have to trust him, we have to believe him, and that when we give him, we know he's promised that he is going to provide what we need. And in most cases, it's always more than what we need. It's, it's abundant in almost every case. Now, the, the purpose of our stewardship is to honor God. And, and the means of doing that is by giving to God from our material wealth, the very wealth that God himself has given to us. And we make him the priority by giving him the very first part and trusting his promise that he is going to provide for all of our need. Now, that brings us to the prayer. And, and, and it's, the, the prayer is, give us what we need. Now, listen, listen to this very carefully. God has instituted a number of things for us to get wealth. One of the things he's told us is that we work. That we are, God expects us to work and to earn a, a living, money, as it were. Also, there's just an incredible common grace that God pours out on every person. God just gives good things to all people in the world, everywhere, in all kinds of ways. But there's a third thing that is always also mentioned in, in God's people, and that is prayer. We not just we don't just go do it on our own, but we also we come to God and we ask Him to give us what we need. It's a part of God's plan. God has ordained prayer as a means of providing for us whatever it is that we need, and not only ourselves but other people around us. And the prayer that we have here is, "Give us this day our daily bread." Now, I'm sure that you recognize this uh, petition as a part of the Lord's model prayer where Jesus teaches us how we ought to pray and what we ought to pray about. Now, in the first part of that prayer, um, our attention is directed to three aspects of God's nature. God's name, hallowed be your name, God's kingdom, your kingdom come, And in God's will, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We begin with the concerns that God has. We begin because our goal is to honor the Lord above all things. He becomes first. He's the priority. And then the second part of the prayer, it it addresses our concerns, what we need and what other people around us need. So the second half of the, the prayer teaches us to pray for provision which is give us this day our daily bread. It teaches us to pray for pardon, uh, forgive us our debts. And it teaches us to pray for protection, deliver us from evil, uh, uh, and deliver us from temptation, the things that we face in this world. So Jesus teaches us to begin with God's concerns and then to pray for our own concerns and the people around us. It's a pattern for praying about everything that we need to pray. But I want to just focus today on this part of the prayer uh, for, for uh, provision. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, to most Americans, that seems almost irrelevant. I mean, when was the last time you prayed, Lord, please give me a meal? 
most of the time we're praying, Lord, please help me not eat another meal. <laughs> I mean, we have so much that it becomes, it almost becomes into the category sometimes of, of, a, of a pardon. Lord, Lord, please forgive me for all I've eaten. You know, it's a, it's a battle for us. We have so much that it doesn't overwhelm us. And do you know how much America has? It's really, it's, it's almost beyond our ability to conceive. Because of our rich soil, our advanced technology, our uh, machinery, the United States of America produces about 40% of the world's food. 40%. The next closest nation in the world is 20%. We have an incredible abundance here in this nation. And if you were to just take the, the corn production of a single season, you could fill over 2 million jumbo hopper train cars full of grain that would stretch back and forth across America 14 times. And we have so many combines now that if you were to put them wheel to wheel, we could harvest the entire state of of Iowa in a single day. If you were to do it the old traditional way with people and horses, it would take 31 million people and 61 million horses to accomplish that. You see, give us our daily bread sounds like something that should be prayed in the slums of India, not in America. And that's why it's so important to understand that in the context of this prayer and of the kingdom of God, bread is not just limited to food. In reality, it, it is representative of all the material needs of life. And in 1529... Martin Luther uh, penned his, his famous small catechism in which he explained, among other things, the meaning of the Lord's Prayer and particularly the meaning of, of give us this daily bread. And in it he says this, quote, It's everything that nourishes our body and meets its need, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, yard, fields, cattle, Money, possessions, a devout spouse, devout children, devout employees, devout and fearful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and other things like these. In other words, it's all of our physical and material needs are included in this request for daily bread. And and this petition is is our invitation to come to God and to seek him for the things that we need. God tells us, come to me, ask me for what you need. And so it's it's our invitation. Now, this, this brief petition also points out four qualities that are essential in a faithful steward. The, the first quality is this. It's gratitude for God's provision. You know, to to ask God for daily provision is to recognize that God is the provider of everything that we have. Everything. Think about it. It's not just your food and your clothes and your shelter and your car and your education. It's It's your mind it's your words that you speak. I mean, it, it's, it's, your, it's your everything. All inclusive. Everything physical, everything material, it's inclusive. Everything belongs to God. And, and we're praying, oh, Father, give us from what you have what we need. And, and, and you see, as we recognize that, what do we do? Then our hearts are filled with gratitude because we have those things. Where we have them from? From God. So everything you have, even the very breath you are breathing this moment is a gift that comes down from the Father above. 
Consider the words of Moses in, in Deuteronomy 8.10. He says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. In, in 1 Chronicles 29.14, David is talking about the time when the people have made a, taken up a collection to build a, a, the temple for the Lord. He says this, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? Listen, for all things come from you. And from your hand we have given you. In other words, God, we have not given you a single thing that you didn't already have and give to us first. All we're doing is taking what you've given us and, and to honor you, we're giving it back to you. That's our heart. And he goes on in verse 16, he says, Oh Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it's from your hand and it's all yours. Friends, there it is. That's the heart of stewardship. It's all yours. It's all yours. Let that sink in. You know, that when we realize that, it changes our perspective. It's all yours. Have you ever stopped to think about the splendor of creation? I mean, God could have ordained that all we eat, not bread, but mud. Mud for breakfast, mud for lunch, mud for dinner. That'd be real fun, wouldn't it? And God could have made everything gray. No color, everything gray or or, or brown. He could have made a drab world. But you know what he did? When he created the world, the very first, the thing that he did, he created the sun and the moon and all those stars and all those universes out there. He created all of that. And then he created the, the, the earth and he formed it and he shaped it and he made lakes and oceans and all the things upon it. And he filled, put an, uh, an atmosphere above it with a blue sky and, and, and all the, the beauty of it all. And he made all of those incredible plants and all the animals. And he gave us all these incredible sights for our eyes, all of the beautiful sounds for our ears, all the beautiful things to taste with our mouths all the wonderful things to touch and to experience in life I mean he just he did that all all of that everything was done for you and for me he put us right in the middle of it all and says here you go it's from me it's mine and I'm giving it to you to manage to take care of to oversee and it's an incredible thing that God has done. And every gift is from the Lord. It's his, but he loves us with incredible love. Dr. Harry Ironside was a preacher from yesteryear, great man of God. And he tells about a time during the uh, Depression when he was... Uh, when he was young and he was going into a place to eat and it was very busy. It was a cafeteria and uh, he couldn't find a place to sit down. There was one place where a man was sitting by himself. And so he just goes over and sits down across from him and he orders his food. And when they, when they bring it, well, Mr. Ironside, he, he bows his head and he begins to thank God for his food. And, and, and when he began to, to pray, he was praying silently this man just stopped eating and he's just staring at him. And so when he raises his head, the man says, are you all right? He said, yes. He says, do you have a headache? He said, no. He, he said, do you have something in your eye? He said, no. He said, well, well, what were you doing? And he said, well, I was, I was praying. I was asking God, to, thanking God for the food that I'm, I'm about to, to eat. And he said, oh. You believe in that, do you? That's crazy. He said, you don't thank the Lord for your food? He said, no, I I just jump right in. Mr. Ironside said, well, that's the way my dog is. He doesn't thank God either. He just jumps right in. (laughs) Now, the point is not that you should pray before your meal. 
that's fine. The point is, we should recognize that God is the one who has given us what we have, and our heart should be filled with gratitude. Whether you, whether you pray before you eat or whether you pray after you eat. Both are in the Bible. Do you know that? You can, after you can eat, and you can say, oh, man, that was so good. Thank you, Lord. Or you can look at it before you eat and say, oh, man, that looks so good. Thank you, Lord. You can do it either way. But the heart is what God is looking for. Gratitude. A faithful steward is a person who has gratitude, recognizing God's a giver of every good thing. And then the, 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 the second uh, uh, characteristic is, is commitment, or excuse me, contentment uh, with God's provision. Uh, understand, we're invited to ask for bread, not cake. We're, we're, we're invited to pray for our needs, not our greeds. God is not in the business of making people rich and healthy and wealthy and, and prosperous by some um, system of, of manipulating him. God simply says, I'm going to give you what you need in your life, and I want to give it to you on a daily basis. That's all he's saying to us. And, and in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 8 uh, Paul says, if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Now, when I read that and when the average American reads that, we almost know instinctively we probably can't be content with that. We just have a, we just have a tr- trouble with that. And sometimes because, you see, because we've had so much, we expect so much. We, we think that God has not come through for us if he's not giving this, this, this extravagant lifestyle that we have in America. Back in 2000, uh, I traveled to uh, Romania with our, with our state convention. And, and this was shortly after the fall of communism there in, in that country. And as we were preparing to, to go, uh, they told us that the people there were having great difficulty getting enough food to eat. And they told us to, be, to expect to eat minimum meals and that they would probably serve us a lot of soup and it would be very thin, very watery, uh, just a little bit of flavor. And so we had to be prepared not to have much to eat while we were there. It just had, that had to be a part of the, of the process. But when we arrived, it was an incredible thing. One of the things that happened was, was that uh, they just kind of opened their cupboards and they just began to, to bring out their very best and they just kept bringing out. We ate incredibly well while we were there. What hospitality. It was amazing. And, and there was one man that, that I met. His name was Daniel. And he and I really hit it off. And he invited me and along with some of my uh, friends to come to his apartment for dinner. And so we went to this, 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 this building, this apartment building, and it was still riddled with, with bullet holes along the, the sides. You can see, I mean, it's just been shot up all over the place. The building was, was in poor repair. And we started walking up the stairs. We had, I think we went up like eight stories, no elevator. And one of the guys, he was really huffing, puffing, almost didn't make it up there. And, and we got up there to the, to, the, to the floor, and we go into this little apartment. And when I say little apartment, I mean a little apartment. It was smaller than a hotel room. It had a, it had a tiny um, water closet about the size that you would see in, a, on, in the back of an airplane. It was miniature. And, and everything else in it, there was a, there was a, a small sink, a small uh, uh, little stove and refrigerator. I mean, kind of like a you know, college apartment size. It, it was this, these small things. And the, and the bed against the wall was folded up so that we would have enough room to fold the table down so that we could eat. And we were sitting on little buckets and there were a couple of chairs and we were trying to eat off the edge of that table. And Daniel began to tell us his story. 
Daniel had been given the incredible privilege of traveling to America as an agreement part of an agreement with a partnership with one of our state conventions. He had been allowed two years on scholarship at Liberty University at the seminary. He had studied the Bible there. While he was there, he worked at McDonald's. And he saved, while he was working, about $532. He came back to Romania with that. And he bought this apartment for $530, $2 to spare. And he and his wife were telling the story and praising God like God had given them a mansion. They were just so elated, so filled with glory and gratitude for what God had done in their lives. And I was thinking to myself, how many people could ever sit in this apartment and be content and from America? I don't know. But I want to tell you, that is contentment. To see all that God has given and to be extremely grateful. And when you look around to other people in that place, when we walked the streets and we saw the, the incredible poverty and the incredible need, they were indeed gloriously blessed. See, that's a confidence in, 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 in God. And, and that's, that's our, our third point, confidence in God's provision. I think one of the illustrations of that would be this, would be, uh, the children of Israel out in the wilderness after their exodus from Egypt. You remember they, they came through the Red Sea, the water was parted, and they saw the inglorious power of God and they were delivered. But, you know, right after, I mean, soon after, just a couple of days afterwards, they came into the wilderness, into the desert, and they began to grumble. And they said, God, we're going to die of thirst out here. God provides water. But as soon as God provides water, they began to grumble. Well, God, we're going to die of hunger out here. I mean, and they, they grumble and they say, well, at least back in Egypt, man, we sit by the meat pots of meat and we had the onions and the leeks and the melons and, and they were glorifying their days in, in Egypt and complaining and grumbling against God. And God says to Moses, Moses, tell those people to get ready. Because I'm going to provide for them. I'm going to provide for them bread in the morning and meat in the evening. And God did just exactly what he says. In the morning, when the dew evaporated, there was a fine crust of, of something on the ground that looked like a wafer. And it tasted like a, a kind of a, a wafer with honey on it. It was called manna, bread from heaven. And then in the evening... Quail came flying in very low on the, to the ground, and the people could take the quail and eat the meat. But God says to Moses, tell those people that they only go out and get enough bread for that day. The exception is, is on the day before the Sabbath, you can get enough for two days, but beyond that, that is it. Because if you keep it, then you're going to be dealing with a putrefied a worm-infested stench in your, in your camp. What did God do? He provided bread day by day by day. And meat day by day by day. God was trying to teach them in the Old Testament the same thing that he is trying to teach us in the New Testament that God provides for our needs, but he most often does it day by day so that we will trust him. God wants us to have a confidence in him, believe that he will provide whatever he says he will provide. Now, we don't like to live like that. I mean, uh, most of us, we have pantries and freezers full of food at home. I mean, we're not worried about what we're going to eat tomorrow. We've got an abundance. And, but, but really what we would like to have is more than that. We would like to have everything provided 
at once. And then we could really trust God. If he just give us everything there, you know, up front, and we know we're good, when we really trust God. Do you know that the surveys tell us that America is majorly stressed about their finances? Uh, 2015, uh, there's a Stress in America survey that was taken, and it shows that nationwide uh, stress is prevalent. 72% of adults reported feeling stressed about money at least some of the time. And 22% say they experience extreme stress about how they're going to make it day to day. 26% of adults reported feeling stressed about money most or all of the time. It's a quarter of the, the population, 26 people, 26% of the population feels stressed all the time. Some of the significant stressors, they said, were paying for unexpected expenses, paying for essentials, paying for saving for retirement. Two, I see 32% of adults say their finances or lack of money prevent them from living a healthy lifestyle. Now think about this. We have pantries and freezers full of stuff. But we're stressed that we may not have enough. That's the world we live in. Now, let me ask you this. You see, God doesn't usually give us everything we want or think we need in advance. God usually gives us what we need day by day because he wants us to trust him. Do you mean we shouldn't plan ahead? No, not at all. You should plan ahead. In fact, that is very biblical for you to plan ahead and to save and to do all those kind of things. But here's what you don't do. You don't worry ahead. That's what Jesus says in, in the context of this, this prayer. You don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will care for itself. God will take care of you. You've got to have a confidence in God. See, the whole point of asking God for daily bread is to, is to trust God a day at a time. And so that's, that's the characteristic of a, of a faithful steward. And the final characteristic, the final quality is generosity with God's provision. And that comes from that little word, our. Give us our daily bread. Notice it doesn't say, give me my daily bread. You see, when you, when, you, when you pray this prayer, it, 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 it's, it immediately it's an encouragement for you to look around you at the brothers and sisters around you. We all eat from the same table. We all have the same Heavenly Father. Father, give us our daily needs. And you see, and, and, and remember, everything you have comes from God. And everything that you have, you are managing on behalf of God. And sometimes the way God answers that prayer for some people is he uses what he has given you to help them and, and meet their need. It may be you are the answer to that prayer. Whatever it is that you have been given God expects you to share it with others. He expects us to be generous with his provision. If uh, God has given you two loaves of bread and your brother has none, well, then that's not for storing. It's for sharing. In his book, Giving It All Away, uh, David Green illustrates the goal of a life for believers. And he says this, Some people act like life is an oversized game of monopoly where the way to win is to accumulate as many possessions or many properties as you can, either by purchasing outright or by clever trading with your opponents. Then you keep adding houses and hotels, extracting rent from others until eventually you drive them into bankruptcy. You sit back, rub your hands together, and you start counting your stacks of cash. 
No. Life is more like Uno or Crazy Eights, where the point is to run out of cards first. You want to deploy every card you have, knowing that each card left in your hand at the end counts against you. Don't get stuck at the end of your time at your funeral with leftover cards. Somebody ask you, what are you playing? Monopoly or Crazy Eights? Let me tell you, when you play Crazy Eights, people will say you're crazy. But that's what God calls us to do, isn't it? To be generous. And let me tell you, there are a lot of generous people in this church. A lot of generous people here. You know, every year, every year for many, many years, uh, uh, Good Shepherd has, has led our convention in giving uh, to missions, to cooperative program, and in so many ways. You are, you are, you're generous givers. Every year we give away a lot of food to people in our community. I mean, we easily raise the money to stock our, our, uh, our pantry. Uh, there are people that have donated uh, to other needs you don't know about, you have no clue about the, the needs that have been met because it's done anonymously just like Jesus would have us do it. There, there, there's, there are incredible things that go on here. But that doesn't, it doesn't mean that because you are a part of a generous church that you necessarily are generous. And it's about you and it's about your heart. Where are you? See, the question is, what's your next step in stewardship? I'm, I'm not here to, you know, to bring uh, condemnation, to, to, to try to tr- guilt you into doing anything. I'm asking you to consider what God has said. Remember what we've learned? We've learned that the purpose of our stewardship is to honor God. And the means of doing that is with the provisions that God has already given us. And we, we make him a priority, Right? By giving him the first part, and, and we trust him, his promise that he is going to, to give us what we need in order to accomplish what he's asking. One of the ways that we do that is we, we go to him and we pray. We ask him to give us what we need. And as we, as we receive from him, we're just reminded again that he's, he's the owner of it all, and our hearts are filled with gratitude for what he has done. And not only that, but we are, we are, we are going to be content with whatever it is that God gives to us. And, he, he, and we're going to have a confidence in God that he provides always exactly what we need. And, and, and then we will be, we're going to be generous with what God has given to us. That's, that's the heart of a, of a faithful steward. That would be a great characteristic of this church. I believe it is a characteristic. Maybe not for everyone, but for many here. And I commend you for that. Keep on growing. Keep on growing. So what's what's your next step in stewardship? Some of you, maybe you have never never come to that place where you've you've really decided to to trust God and to give him that portion that is due him. Maybe you need to begin there. Maybe that's where where you need to begin. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe, maybe it's the, that uh, you need to uh, uh, have a sense of uh, a greater contentment in your life. Instead of thinking, oh God, you should be giving me more, maybe you need to have a sense of contentment. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is that God has used this time in his word to bring to your mind, take that next step and be obedient to the Lord. Let me do a quick commercial. Um, one of the ways that we can uh, give to the Lord is with our time, with our energy, with our abilities. And, and you heard uh, Pastor Travis at the begin, beginning tell you that we have over 200 kids in Upward this season. Understand, I believe with all my heart that God has given those kids to us to have a, for an opportunity to have an influence on their lives for them to hear about who Christ is. I believe that is a part of God's gift. God is entrusting us with them. And God is holding us responsible for how we deal with them. What we do with that. We've been faithful so far. And God has continued to. He's been giving us an overflow. And I want to ask you to consider. 
possibly stepping up. You haven't been involved before. Maybe, maybe you'd be a part of that. We especially are needing uh, people to be with the coaches, either coach or be an assistant coach. We need some people. You may not know anything about basketball, but maybe uh, you would be a person that would share the, the devotion, that would make sure that those kids get to hear about Jesus because that's really the only reason we're doing Upward. I could care less about it. I love basketball, but I could care less about doing this except for it's the opportunity to talk to these kids and their parents and to build relationships with them. So maybe you consider stepping up and, and being a part of that. Maybe there, you know, there's going to be an increase. We're going another add another hour this year. We're going to need people in the concession stand. We need people to sweep the floors and, and do all kinds of things. If, if you'd like to join, you'd like to be a part of that, uh, uh, then you could talk with Thomas or Naaman. I think they're going to be out here in the foyer. Uh, they can tell you any details about what it is you might like to do and have questions about. We'd like to ask you to consider that. One other thing, um, we had 71 boxes, shoe boxes, given to uh, Samaritan's Purse. Little kids going to get a Christmas present, and they're going to have the opportunity to hear about Jesus as well. Uh, and and this, in this month, we're gonna, when we come back from Thanksgiving, we're going to be in our time of Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And we, 100% of our offering is going to go to help people hear about Jesus overseas. Be generous this year. Give, make God the priority. I know it's, it's, it's amazing how we, we go from Thanksgiving to the day of the greatest greed, <laughs> Black Friday. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how that works? Let's, let's make God the priority this year. And, and consider him in your thinking and your giving as we come to Christmas. Father, we thank you.